The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We are going to start though with the sad news of the passing of Shane McGowan, the former Pogues frontman, aged just 65. Pat Carthy is with me, the writer for Hot Press and the broadcaster. Uh, Pat, you are welcome to the show and it is good to talk to you as always, I suppose, despite uh, the sad circumstances today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it is a, it's, it's a bad day for, for music. It's been a bad year for Irish music, really. And this is just a, the latest loss, I think. Yeah, Sinead O'Connor and Christy Dignam. And, Christy Dignam as well, yeah. Uh, now, uh, Shane McGowan as well. Um, what, what is Shane's musical legacy? Well, I think he's going to be remembered as, as one of the great songwriters, one of the great Irish songwriters. And we claim him as Irish, even though he was, he was born in England. He always identified as Irish himself. Um, you know, he's, he, he, someone like Bruce Springsteen uh, said something like, in a in hundred years' time, when the rest of us are all forgotten, people will still be singing Shane McGowan songs. And I think that's probably accurate. You know, going at the time of year we're talking about and everything, as one of his great songs would, be on, would have been on the radio anyway, all the time now, you know. It, it's it's interesting. You mentioned Bruce Springsteen, so I got a push notification from the New York Times as well, and it was a little like that in the wake of Sinead O'Connor's passing. Sometimes I maybe because these people are Irish, or we claim them as Irish in, in in some situations, you know, we assume or maybe we think that their fame doesn't extend beyond these shores. These were global stars we're talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, someone like them. Um, I, I think it was Nick Cave said something like. Uh, that as a songwriter, he just thought McGowan was head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, and uh, someone like Joe Strummer said, he, you know, he was one of, the great, one of the great writers of the 20th century. So you can't really get any higher praise than that. But, I mean, they were an international act. I mean, they toured, toured with Bob Dylan in America, as far as I know, as well. You know, so it wasn't just here. And, uh, you know, it had genuine hits in England. That's, that's the hard thing to... I actually remember now, I mean, you'll probably remember, you're about the same age as me. Who can forget <laughs> the Dubliners and the Pogues on top of the Pops doing the Irish Rover, you know, and getting into the top 10? That's ridiculous and fantastic at the same time, you know what I mean? Bring us back, uh, Pat, as you say, I mean, I could do this myself, given we're the same age, but bring us back to uh, the early 80s, before I was born, I should add, um, <laughs> uh, to, to the formation of the Pogues. Uh, what... Kind of what, what what cultural scene were they tapping into that proved to be so rich? Yeah, well, I mean, McGowan had been in. Uh, he, he said he, he himself his head was turned. He went to see um, Joe Strummer's One Hundred Oneers in the seventies, and the support band was the Sex Pistols, and that completely turned his head. And he was a big part of the punk movement. He was in a band called uh, the Nips. They were short, shortened from the Nipple Erectors, um, who didn't do an awful lot, but they gave him direction, you know. And then he he moved to a band called the Millwall Chainsaw. And that was with uh, Jem Finer and Spider Stacey, who go on to be part of the Pogues. I think they were briefly called the New Republicans. Then they were called uh, Pogue Mahone, and we all know what that means. And that's when the lineup kind of solidified. So what they did, I mean, what the great genius of, of what he was at, was to take that kind of punk spirit and, uh, you know, uh, line it up with, with traditional music. And nobody else was doing that. And I, think it's, I don't think it's a huge exaggeration to say he kind of saved Trad from maybe the old... Uh, Aaron Jumper and Finger in the Ear Brigade. You know what I mean? Listen, stay with us there, Pat. I, I want to play a little clip. This is our reporter, Henry McKean, who a little bit earlier was speaking to different people in the street, including Paddy Dunning from the Button Factory, who was a good friend of Shane McGowan. My name is Paddy Dunning. Um, I'm a director of the Button Factory and uh, the Irish Rock and Roll Museum experience here in Temple Bar. 
So, Paddy, you're opening up a book of condolences, and you knew Shane McGowan. Yeah, I, I've known Shane for many, many years, um, especially when they rehearsed here in Temple, Temple Lane Studios. Um, you know, we'd get all the equipment ready, um, help the roadies get all the equipment in, and, uh, you know, hoover the room, get it ready for Shane to, and the band to come in. Um, so, yeah, we spent many, many years here rehearsing, and, uh, we, we, you know, we, we love Shane. What are your memories of him? Um, Shane was a unique character, as we all know. I mean, the main thing that comes to mind was his uh, lyrics, um, his determination to uh, continuously drink while rehearsing and performing. And he um, did. He was a drinker and he was a performer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, uh, everybody knows uh, that that was part of his, his, his whole metabolism. It's the legacy of his music that's going to live on. And today, you know, an image just popped up there of not only Sinead O'Connor, uh, but of Shane McGowan, you know, both now dead, both passed. An emotional day? Yeah, I mean, Sinead, I knew Sinead since I was 17 years old. Again, she was uh, one of the first bands to rehearse in Temple Lane Studios in 1984 uh, with a band called Tonton McCoot. Um, and we, we actually recorded her last song in Grouse Lodge Recording Studios down in Westmeath. Um, I think it was used for Outlander. She was fabulous, as we all know, a, a classic, amazing, haunting voice. But she was also a great friend of Shane. Um, and uh, we opened up a book of condolences for her here um, in Temple Bar beside the Wall of Fame and it was just thronged with thousands of people coming down uh, to pay homage um, and we put uh, her images up on the Hall of Fame like we're doing now with um, many images that will go up on the Wall of Fame uh, here in Temple Bar on Temple Lane. I'd really uh, like to commend um, for firstly pay our condolences and sympathies and send them to Victoria, um, you know, who minded and took care of uh, Shane, but also uh, to Brian, who worked in the Rock and Roll Museum. When I introduced him to uh, Victoria and Shane uh, a couple of years ago, he went into hospital every single day since Shane was in hospital, most days a week. And he went in from the Rock and Roll Museum and, um, you know, fair play to him for doing that. He's distraught today, like I'm sure Victoria would be. Um, so that's Brian C. That's Brian C. That was Paddy Dunning from the Button Factory chatting to our own uh, Henry McKean. Pat Carthy from Hot Press is still with me. Pat, what was the, um, what was the reaction to the Pogues initially? I mean, we can be very uptight in this country about how others perceive us. You know, was there any kind of sense of embarrassment from some quarters? You know what I mean? That they kind of were wearing their kind of, they're drinking on their sleeves and there was that trad element. We obviously all came to love them so much and cherish them. But I wonder yeah. what was the initial reaction? Well, I think it, that um, it, it kind of depended on, on maybe uh, the age you were. Mm. You know, I, 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 I can remember when, when people had cassettes. It was the second album, really, um, Rum, Sodomy and the Lash. It was the kind of breakthrough. There was a, an album before that, but it was Rum, Sodomy and the Lash, really. That was 1985. So you were hearing these, um, you know, traditional kind of airs, you know what I mean, with, with, this, with this punk attitude. And it really, it, it, it really saved the music. I'm sure... There was plenty of people uh, stroking their chins and saying, oh, that's, that's terrible that he's doing that. But it was, you know, it, it, it did an awful lot for Irish music. I really think it did. So I think in the long run, you know, it, it was beneficial to it. But, I mean, if you look at some of the songs, even on that album, you look at some of the songs that we had, like A Pair of Brown Eyes is just 
a fantastic song or Sally McLennan or Sick Bed of Cullen, any of those. And that was, he was only getting started. In my opinion, he got better after that. And, you know, we, we mentioned Christy Dignam earlier and of course, in the wake of his passing, people were reflecting on the troubles he had. Shane had them uh, as well. I mean, so yeah. much so that there was a number of years he wasn't in the Pogues. They were touring without him. That's right, yeah. I mean, the last the last album he did with them was uh, Hell's Ditch in 1990, which is my own personal favourite, actually. It's the it's kind of bringing in Eastern influences. It sounds a bit hungover, to be honest with you. But I think what happened was he was just, he, he got to the point where he was unreliable at that stage. So they couldn't really depend on him to turn up or whatever, or perform. So they did go on without him, and they released a couple of albums without him, which aren't that bad, but, you know, they, they were missing something. And eventually, I mean, they did get back together and did some intermittent touring, you know, in, in the last um, 10, 15 mm. years, I think it was. You know, I saw them play one night in the Olympia and it was a great old night out. It wasn't quite the same as it was when I saw them in 1989 or whatever it was, but we still had a good time. Who who are the inheritors of the, the Pogues flame today? Well, I think, any you know, the, the traditional music is, is, is going through a kind of a, a golden age, really, at the moment. So you're talking about people like um, Ye Vagabonds or... Um, Lancome or people like that. I'm, I'm sure they could all look back and, and 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 get some sort of influence from that. You can see a line coming from what McGowan was doing, certainly in songwriting terms, in adapting uh, traditional music to his own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, listen, as you say, uh, the tribute's pouring in still thick and fast and the great and good of Irish music from around the world as well. You mentioned Bruce Springsteen and Nick Cave uh, uh, and others there. We're going to be speaking to people who knew Shane McGowan. Jerry Adams uh, was only with him uh, last week. They became great friends in recent years as well. Jerry's going to be with me in under an hour's time. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.